Hey, 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 welcome to this episode of Age Thoughtfully. I'm your host, Marissa Kennerson. Welcome, welcome. Today I have Dr. Sarah Court. Dr. Court is a doctor of physical therapy, a movement mentor, and a yoga teacher trainer. She's the creator of Quantum Leap, a continuing education program and mentorship community that makes sophisticated concepts easy for movement teachers to understand and use in their work. She teaches public workshops and teacher trainings internationally, bringing together the worlds of yoga, strength, and neuromuscular exercise. Most recently, she created yoga and movement content for the Headspace meditation app. She currently lives in Los Angeles and splits her time between teaching and clinical work. This is a fun episode. We get we get kind of broad range philosophical about pain, the subjective nature of pain, and we also get down and dirty, like how to treat those bunions, plantar fasciitis, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly, <laughs> how to take care of our feet and hands on a daily basis, hint, hint, barefoot is good. We have a great discussion about recognizing and working with our bodies as they are and how the yoga how yoga instruction has changed and evolved over the years for the better. So I hope you enjoy the episode. I really, really enjoyed speaking to Sarah. She's she's so smart and so full of knowledge. And without further ado, I give you Dr. Sarah Court. If you enjoy the Age Thoughtfully programming, you will love my one-on-one individualized coaching program. You are a gorgeous, living, breathing human being with a desire for something better. You are a miracle. Every effort you make to feel better has a powerful feedback loop. Your body wants to feel better. Your brain wants to stay flexible. That spark of desire you have is your being whispering its deep desire. The fact that you can even have this desire to be better, to have more, means it is meant for you. How can I help? I will listen to you and meet you where you are. Wherever you are is the perfect place to start. We'll go over my aging model, brain, body, purpose, creativity, community, pleasure, and identify where you need to grow to feel your absolute best. I will partner with you as you start this new journey. Don't be afraid. Be excited. Every effort you make is going to give back tenfold. If you're tired of feeling confused about where you are going in life, sick of not making time to create the thing bleak, insecure, and uncomfortable in your body, book a discovery call with me. I'm here to help and I'm so excited to meet you. Go to my website, agethoughtfully.com and book a free 45-minute discovery call. If you feel compelled, just do it. Don't overthink it. Something I have finally learned myself. Can't wait to meet you. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Welcome to the Age Thoughtfully podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy you're here. So tell us a little bit about what you do. So I am a physical therapist. uh, And before I was a physical therapist, I had about a 10-year career as a yoga teacher. So that kind of blends into how I work with my PT. So I kind of mix uh, a few different things together, right? So not, not so much that kind of traditional physical therapy that some people think about more like, let's step back, let's look at the whole picture, Let's look at your whole body and how it's working, you know, and including things that, that we think about a lot in yoga, but that people don't, again, in, in traditional PT settings necessarily consider like, how is your breath affecting your pain? You know, things like that. So, yeah, so that's what I do. I, I live in Los Angeles. I practice here. And then I also do a fair amount of online content and things like that. And what is the quantum leap? Oh, that's my, so I, I do like continuing education for yoga and other movement teachers. And so that's what quantum leap is. It's a program where we just sort of go beyond what, what teachers get in their traditional training. And, and I have a mentorship group that I run where we sort of get together a couple times a month and just problem solve. So, you know, if you're working with a private client and, you know, they've got something going on, you're not quite sure what to do, you know, things like that. So it's fun. Okay. And I found you through Stacey Jackson, who was my very first guest on this podcast. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I find a lot of people through Stacey. (laughs) (laughs) I think Stacey is very well connected. (laughs) And she is such a different kind of yoga teacher, too. Yeah. It's such a holistic, caring for your whole body kind of 
work. Yeah. And, and I think really taking yoga out of this idea of like, well, unless you're, you know, Cirque du Soleil level flexible, you can't do it, you know, and, and really returning it to actually what, what yoga really is, which is just about being in your body, feeling connected to yourself, being okay with where you are right now. Um, and, and, you know, I think as, especially, you know, in the past year, it's been so tough for all of us. We're so disconnected from each other and we're starting to kind of be able to find our way back to having these human moments again. Um, and even, but even just, I mean, from my experience, the, the stress of it all tends to kind of disembody us from ourselves, right? You tend to kind of live up in your brain and just be like, oh my God, that person's mask is down beyond their nose, you know? <laughs> and you know, it's it, yoga is such an incredible practice in so many, and there's so many ways to do it, but, you know, at its essence of, you know, getting ourselves back into our bodies and allowing ourselves to sort of feel and process whatever it is that we're dealing with in that moment. And you just nailed it. There are so many different ways to do yoga. I know I had my two, three persona, mm -hmm. and then I had my Stacy's level one class. And then I, I had, you know, <laughs> three persona, you know, like I'm 22. How many times do you want me to wrap my leg around my head? And then after a while, you're like, do I need, like, what is that doing for me exactly? Is that, yeah, or, the store? I might be, yeah, or I might be sweating, but I haven't taken a breath in the right. last three poses. <laughs> right, totally, totally. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was curious about pain science and what do we need to know about mm. pain? Uh, it's, it's such an interesting field of study. And, and one of the things that's really exciting about it is, is our understanding of the experience of pain continues to develop and change and grow. And the, the biggest part that, that most of us don't really know is that there's no direct correlation between how injured something might be and how painful it is. It's a completely subjective experience. And, you know, it's, there are so many factors going into it. Uh, a lot of them based on like, you know, your past experience, a lot of them based on how were you raised to think about things being painful, you know, all of that kind of stuff plays in. Uh, and the other thing that, that we see, so we think of like acute pain being like, I fell down, I stubbed my toe, it hurts. And there's like a direct like link to what happened. The amount of pain I'm in, again, depends on like, what do I think about pain um, and my, my own experience of it. And, and, you know, I see that where I see people in the clinic who have basically the same thing going on, but their experience of it is so completely different. You know, one of them's like, oh, look what I did again. And the other one's like panicked and, in, you know, worried about, well, what does this mean for my future? You know, so there's, there's so many layers, but there's also a separate category uh, of chronic pain you know, people who've had pain for like, you know, they're like, I've had back pain for 20 years or something like that. And what's interesting there is that your brain can continue to tell you that you're having pain, even when there's nothing going on physically. So, but, yeah. but the, and the result of that is feeling physical pain. But you feel physical pain. Your, your, your embodied experience is that something is wrong and it hurts. Uh, but it's sort of like, um, you remember records when the record would get stuck in a groove, right? And it would just get loop and loop and loop. And, and that's what can happen. There's, there's all this chemical, you know, nerve stuff going on where your brain kind of trips this loop and then it doesn't know how to get out of it. Um, so what sorts of things do you do to get people out of that? How, yeah, do, you, how do you identify it for one? And well, then how yeah, do you help people I get mean, out of it? Part of it is sort of how long the thing has been going on, but you know, w one of my, most extreme, but, but to me, the kind of most amazing stories, the, the bottom line is the more people understand that that's how it happens. That's part of the picture of getting yourself out of it. I had a patient who I was working with and they had a herniated disc in their low back. And every time we had a session, they would feel better. But then every time they came back, it was right back to like, you know, what they were describing as like eight out of 10 pain. And finally, one day we started talking about it and I explained to this patient, like, you know, the disc herniation is probably at this point kind of healing and it's kind of scarring down. And they, they were like, Oh, I, my idea of what was happening was that I had this, this thing in my back that was like damaged and even kind of rotting from the inside. Like they had this idea of what it was 
And when we discussed like, oh, that's probably not actually happening. They literally said in that moment, my pain has gone down to like four out of 10. So really understanding, you know, where our experience of pain comes from is a huge part in, in managing it. And, uh, yeah. I was thinking, um, I remember I had walking pneumonia once mm. and I went back to the doctor to get my follow-up x-ray and I, my head was down and I felt tired. And she's like, oh, you're fine. You're clear. Your lungs look great. And I remember popping up. All right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, so interesting. Yeah. I mean, you think about something like I do, I do not enjoy going to the dentist. Some people think it's fine. I just don't. And so before I even get there, I'm already preparing myself. This is going to be painful. I'm not going to like it. I'm having a bad time, you know, and so much of that also sort of in is what creates some of our experiences, our, our sense of like, what's this going to be like, or what does it mean? You know? So yeah, really, yeah. really starting to understand the, that your brain is what's telling you how much pain you're in, not, not necessarily what's physically going on in your body can really, you know, for people change their experience and help them get out of pain. I think one of my questions um, was a little further along, but when you start to feel a pinch or a stiffness or a, when do you address that? Or, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a good, it's a good question. I, you know, and, and the thing is like, sometimes, you know, as I said, sometimes it is representing something that's happening, you know, especially if it's a new sensation. Uh, but one of the things I talk about a lot with people is, you know, we, we're very good at sort of ignoring it and pressing on, right. You know, people are like, well, yeah, I felt kind of pinchy, but I just kept going with my run or whatever. Um, and a lot of the ways, you know, things come and go and your body is sending you information all the time and your brain is starting, you know, trying to decide how important is this? How much attention should I be paying to it? And when it's something that kind of comes in a few days later, it goes and it's like, all right, well, that was, that was something it cleared itself up. Um, but a big part of that also sometimes is permitting yourself to, to not exercise or not work out or whatever, if that was sort of what, what started it for you so that you can actually let your body rest and heal. Um, and again, what, what a lot of us do is like, Oh, I felt a kind of weird feeling, but I just kept going, you know, and, and then, um, you know, that can, that can end badly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, I'm sure. it's sort of, yeah, it, 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 a lot of the time I think it's, you know, when you feel something in your body, take a break from whatever you're doing, give your body a rest. It's very good at fixing whatever needs to be fixed, you know, and so kind of trusting that your body will be able to do that. And if it turns out that it's something bigger then the, you know, whatever you're feeling will not go away. And then, you know, okay, now it's time to address this somehow. Maybe I have to go see my doctor because I've been having back pain for a month and it's not getting any better something like that. But yeah, yeah. I know. Um, I know I get a little imbalanced between my right and left side and I've done neurokinetic therapy work and it's back. And I'm like, you know, this, I want to fix it myself. I want to somehow talk to my body or somehow do my work with the balls, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not quite there. I'm not trained in it, but mm -hmm. sometimes I, I wish I could fix it. <laughs> yeah. And even when you do, I mean, like I, I've had this thing that's been going on in my left leg weird. There's a whole new, I've never had this before for like the past three weeks. And you know, I'm as a, you know, professional supposedly I'm going through my ideas of like, okay, well, how am I going to, let me try this. Oh, that didn't really help. Okay, let me try this thing. That seems like it helped, but only a halfway, and and just kind of working on it, but but also, um, you know, really giving my body a chance to just kind of let itself sort itself out, and not. That's I think sometimes as well we're so quick to. Uh, it's either we ignore it or we're like incredibly quick to, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, fix it. And sometimes it's like, well it actually, that part of your body's really annoyed right now. And it would prefer it if you weren't shoving a ball into it. It actually doesn't want you to mm. <laughs> stop massaging your leg like all day long. Like maybe that's not actually, you know, the fix. So it's kind of like, you know, and this is kind of like, you know, adopting an attitude, I think of, you know, not panicking, uh, but also not ignoring and trying the things, you know, paying attention to, to what happens when you do them and, you know, kind of going from there and, and just sort of letting your body, 
I think we start to, as we, as we get older, almost, um, mistrust our body a little bit. Like we're like, it's done so well for me up till now. And all of a sudden now things are falling off and I don't understand why, you know, and, and it can, it can kind of spiral like that sometimes. And I, how I, do we reframe that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think of it always, you know, when I, cause I, I see people and they'll be like, Oh, well, when I, I have been surfing every day for 30 years. I'm like, yeah, well, you were 20 and now you're 50. And you know, our, our bodies, I, I tell people all the time, our bodies are made out of organic material. We're not robots, right? Our bodies are designed to change and break down in certain ways. And we, you know, we're lucky that we know a lot of ways to support our bodies and, and the way that we need to support them changes, you know? And so I think, you know, starting to recognize that you know, yeah, you can still do the thing you want to do. You might have to do some additional stuff around it. So your body's not mad at you. Like, so let's say you want to go surfing. Maybe you have to like do more sort of warm up stuff beforehand. And maybe you have to do more stretching and cool down, down stuff afterwards, but you can still go surf, you know? So I think a lot of it's about sort of accepting that, you know, again, that we, we, we are slowly sort of breaking down a little bit and that's okay. That's just normal. It's natural. And, and not to be afraid of that or not to, not to think like, Oh, it's the beginning of the end and, you know, go off the deep end. Yeah. Um, keep the story, keep the narrative under control. And I love what you're saying about like, take a breath. It sounds like there's two types and there's hard chargers like me, I'm shoving the ball under the thing. And then there's people who ignore it. And maybe we need a lot more middle ground. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay. Um, you talk about on your website, our body's habits. And I was curious about that. How do we learn about them? How do we learn to work with them? What are they? What does that look like? Uh, yeah. So, so we all have just sort of postural habits, movement habits, things that we do ways, you know, un- is it unconscious. Yes. Unconscious. Like the way you stand when you're in line to buy something, you know, if you, if you like go to a store and look at people, you'll see all kinds of different postures and that is your body's sort of habit posture. Uh, And not always, but sometimes that can lead to sort of, you know, issues, discomfort, pain, tightness, all those sorts of things. And so starting to notice, Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. My left leg hurts. Well, maybe that's because every time I'm standing in line to get my coffee, I stand on my left leg and I stick my right leg out to the side and I don't, you know, and so starting to kind of, you know, you just described me little- as a teenager, by the way. <laughs> well, mo- that's how I stood do- until, until oh. I started doing yoga. Yeah. And, and, and rec- starting to, starting to put things together, like, okay, well doing a little detective work, why might this be? Oh, wow. Look at that. Every time I sit down, I cross my right leg over my left, but I never cross my left leg over my right. And we've all got these sort of habits and some of them are you know, comfort postures. Some of them are things that we learned because, you know, we learned to sit and stand and walk from whoever we watched doing it when we were, when we were young. Right. So, you know, maybe that's, I learned this movement shape from, you know, watching my mom and that's how, that's why I have it, you know? And and so just starting to, to notice things like that and, and then working to, you know, we're never perfectly symmetrical and that's not a goal, but we want the asymmetry to be as, as close as possible, you know, as little as possible. And so, you know, starting to notice, okay, well maybe, maybe every time I come up to a set of stairs, instead of automatically stepping on the first one with my right foot, what happens if I step on it with my left foot, you know, and just, just starting to notice things like that and, and, and see if you can start to balance things out. I think that's so cool. And would it be like, I'm left-handed if I went to unload the dishwasher with my right hand, could that be beneficial? Yeah. I mean, you might kind of think dishes, but Um, (laughs) (laughs) we did a you know we did a whole thing when i was in pt school they made us for a month because i'm right-handed brush your hand brush your teeth with your non-dominant hand and you know it was a mess to begin with it's like all over your face and it's like hardly any especially because electric yeah (laughs) but (laughs) over the month you know we all you start to get better at it you know so yes where where you can um try to make your body as, you know, as sort of ambidextrous as you, as you can. I try to do that a lot in work because it's, I, my job is very physical and, and it's very easy for me to lean on the fact that my right arm is really strong. And whenever I have to do something that requires holding something like a leg, I'm like, Oh, right arm's going to do that. I'm like, no, make left arm do it because 
you know, otherwise you're going to end up with like Popeye arm just on one side, you know, and then, so things like yeah. that, you know, if you always carry the groceries in your dominant hand, because it's easier and you're just not thinking about it, switch over, carry them in your, in your other side and, and notice how your body's, you know, or, or if you carry a, a bag over one shoulder, try carrying it over the other shoulder, things like that can make a difference. Two things. I've been trying to vacuum with my right hand. It's hard, but I'm trying. I'm doing it. And then the other is funny. I can get up from the floor with no hands with, I think, my left foot crossed over my right. But the mm-hmm. other way, mm-hmm. it's hard. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't take long to adjust, but it falls back pretty quickly. So I'm really working on that because that disturbs yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> but we all have that. You know, we all have things like that. Like I recently have been, I've discovered something similar where uh, I was taking this workout class online and he was like, okay, grab a chair and you're going to do a single leg squat down into the chair. So stick one leg out and squat down on one leg and come back up. And I did it on one side, no problem. And I did it on the other side and I fell over. Like I couldn't even do it. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, that's, that's, those are the sorts of habits, right? Where that's, that's built up over time of me, you know, consciously or not choosing to lean into where my strength already is, my balance, my mobility, all of that already is. Um, and yeah, it's, it's sort of about just kind of paying attention, noticing things like that and, you know, where, where appropriate starting to, to try to address it. And just to tell listeners, like what, what is the, it kind of seems obvious, but what are the benefits of doing this? So the, you know, again, we're never going to be perfectly symmetrical, but if there's huge imbalances in the way that your body, uh, is made up, and there, you are then sort of putting yourself in a situation where potentially down the line, there is going to be like an injury, there's going to be pain, there's going to be things like that. You know, it, it's no part of your body works by itself in a vacuum. Everything is sort of working together for all of our movements. And, uh, you know, it, if one side of some movement is not as strong as the other side, it might mean also that in other movements in your life, you're forcing sort of, you know, quote unquote, the wrong muscles to do the work for you. And over time they can get too annoyed about that and, you know, tell you about how they're annoyed. And, um, excuse me. And then that over time, that, that irritation can potentially lead to something down the line or even just, you know, an imbalance where it's like, well, let's say I tripped and my, my, right legs really, you know, fast and good and strong. But in that moment, I didn't have it. And I tried to like land on my left leg. And it just I fell on the you know what I mean? Like, things like that, where you just you want to have that sort of as close as possible similarity side to side. And I'm having a huge epiphany as we're speaking, because my pinch and my stiffness is all on my left. And I'm saying I need to use my right more. So haha, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's certain things where like, you know, you, you drive the car on the left side, you know, here in the United States, there's not, I can't do anything about that. I'm always going to be on the left side of my car. I'm always going to be getting in and out of the car the same way, but there are lots of things that we just sort of habitually do that, that we can change, like, like getting up off the floor. You know, if you always do it the same way, make the other side do it. And if it's really hard, really make the other side do it. Yeah. Like in my case, Oh, I don't like that, (laughs) but I'm going to work. I'm going to focus on it. Yeah. Um, okay. I told you I want to talk about feet. Yes. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what do we need? I've got, I'm going to sort of lay these out here and we'll go through them. What do we need to keep our feet healthy? What are bunions? What is plantar? And how do you pronounce this? Fasciitis. 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 Yeah. Okay. Um, and also is stretching ankles and feet important for not falling later? If so, how do we do it? Okay. Lots of questions. So we'll start with just sort of general. How do we take care of our feet? You know, big picture, most of us kind of shove shoes on our feet for our whole life and then wonder why they're not happy about it at the end. You know, so so a big part of it is uh, just actually paying attention to your feet to begin with. And if you, you know, if your job demands that you wear, you know, a high heel shoe or something like that, then when you're at home, go barefoot. You know, so things like just starting to pay attention to, to the, the various needs that your feet have, the, the, the foot itself is, it's really complicated and the ankle, the, the way that all the joints relate to each other. And there's, because of that, you know, we're designed to be barefoot, you know? And so 
we're designed to be able to interface with our feet with lots of different surfaces and angles and levels of slipperiness versus friction and things like that. And, and what we've done is we paved everything flat and we put shoes on. So all of that intelligence and articulation that your feet naturally have, they don't get a chance to practice any of it. And so we start to, you know, you don't still, you know, use it or lose it. You don't start to do that with your feet. They're not going to be very good at doing that anymore. So, you know, the sort of fastest, easiest is just try to be barefoot or sock footed as much as you can, um, because that does then really allow your feet to do interesting movements um, that keep all of the different muscles, the different like other soft tissue, you know, healthy and, and working well. And then, you know, if, if you're like, well, I do walk barefoot, but I'm still having X, Y, Z, then again, it's just sort of like stepping in and paying attention and figuring out what it is that you need to do to make your feet feel better. Yeah. Like, unfortunately, um, I have a little bunion. I hate that word. It's such a terrible sounding word. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so my yoga teacher said it's, abduction and I right now I'm I'm showing Sarah making my fingers go out to the side and and not passively not with the things you stick on there she said but like really working it yeah and I do find it's helping quite a bit is that what do we do if we have bunions yeah and that's the thing like bunions are you know terrible name and lots of people have them and uh usually If just for anybody who might not know, the the bunion, what's happening is it's usually on your big toe, but I've actually now developed one on my pinky toe, which I didn't know you could. And I have learned that you can. So, but it's essentially that the first metatarsal, the bone in your foot that like meets your toe, where that meeting place is starts to stick out because, you know, for lots of different possible reasons. But one of the things that's happening is your big toe is your toes are getting kind of smushed together. So to your point about spreading the toes, yes, that's definitely a way to kind of try to arrest or, you know, the thing is like when you have a bunion, it's bone growth. So you can't really get rid of it unless you go in surgically to get rid of it. But you don't necessarily need to do that, you know, working on spreading your toes. And I actually, you know, actively, yes, is great. But I also use, I love my yogi toes and I'll stick them on my those toe spreaders and I'll stick them on my feet and half an hour and watch TV or something like that. I find that it really relieves if I start to get, it's like a little burning sensation and it relieves it immediately. So I would imagine sitting in those yogi toes would help. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, you know, it's about sort of paying attention to your feet. So going in and rolling, you know, either a yoga ball or a tennis ball underneath your foot or going in and like manipulating your toes around and stretching them and twisting them and moving them. And it doesn't feel good necessarily, but you know, they want to have that mobility. So, you know, that's, so that's, that's what, what a bunion is specifically, but yeah. Really okay, so we, okay. And also it's funny, like after doing this for about two months, I all of a sudden had so much more movement in the, the ball of my foot. Mm-hmm. It was neat. All of a sudden that started spreading way wider. And yeah. that's when I kind of stopped having pain. It's kind of cool. Yeah. So we'll see. Okay. What about plantar fasciitis? What is that? So the bottom of your foot is called your plantar fascia, and it's essentially just like a thick covering of connective tissue, similar to the palm of your hand. Um, And, you know, as I said, we we were designed to be barefoot. That's why you've got that thicker covering on your feet, the way you have it on your hands as well. What can happen is that tissue can get irritated and it can get irritated from overusing your foot the wrong way. And it can get irritated from like underusing your foot or, or not letting your feet kind of live in the wild and and be out there. Um, And so, you know, again, it goes back to stretching is really good um, massage or ball on the bottom of the foot. And one of the things that I, that I think is also important is um, again, recognizing that no part of your body works in a vacuum. They work together as a team. So when there's that tightness or, or discomfort on the bottom of the foot uh, you want to also look, okay, well, what about my calf muscles? And what about my hamstring? You want to go up the back of the leg and look there as well. And it may be that like, if you start really working on stretching out your calf muscles or, you know, getting in there and and releasing things with massage or however, that that's also going to impact uh, how the bottom of your foot feels. So, yeah. I was just going to say one of my beloved yoga teachers in the past always said, if you have pain, look six inches in either direction 
And yeah. so often that's right. <laughs> yeah. And I would even go so far as like, look more than six inches, like look all the way up, you know? Yeah. And there's little things that we don't think about particularly. Like, for example, when you sleep, usually the covers push your foot into like what's called plantar flexion or sort of a pointed foot position, which in turn is, you know, shortening or tightening the tissues on the bottom of your foot up into your calf and all of that. Um, and so something as simple as that over time can sort of counteract the the other direction that you want to be able to move your foot and it can make your foot feel tighter. So, you know, just lying in bed and flexing your ankles back so that you stretch your calves before you go to sleep, you know, can, can do a lot. You know, it doesn't always have to be some huge intervention. Yeah. I love that. My feet just go to the side when I sleep. <laughs> Is that unusual? They just no, no, but if you notice, they probably are slightly pointed. If you, if you, next time you do it, oh, get a sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And do some flex flexing. Okay. Um, I love to sit on my feet. I don't think a lot of people do this, but yeah. And it's, it's a constant practice. Like if I don't do it for two weeks, it hurts again. I have to put some blankets. Mm -hmm. Do you like that practice of sitting on top of your feet? And totally. You mean like sitting with your feet pointed backwards? Yeah. In like yeah, a exactly. Yeah. And then flipping and doing it the other way as well. That's the terrible. Yeah. Thing. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I mean, any of these, any of these positions and, you know, depend, most people don't love it initially. Um, but again, with sort of, you know, more practice, it gets better, but it's also impacted by, you know, how have you been using your feet your whole life? You know, if you were a dancer, a gymnast or a yogi sitting on your feet with your feet pointed backwards, no problem. You know, me too. I started ballet when I was five. Uh, other people, if they've played a sport that was more, um, like a, you know, they play tennis or soccer or football or something that, that doesn't involve a lot of that position, they go to sit on their feet with their feet pointed backwards. And it's just brutal, you know, it's just <laughs> misery. Um, and then the other way is not much better either. So a lot of it is, you know, reintroducing gradually the kinds of positions, the range of motion, the movement that your feet can do, but maybe just haven't done in a long time or, or possibly ever. You know, and, and that's also a big part of, you know, we want to think about sometimes in, in the yoga world in particular, there's a huge emphasis on like, you know, that two, three vinyasa, get as stretchy as you can, pull your body into as many directions as you can. And, you know, the, the, what's really useful for your body is to maintain what's considered like a healthy range of motion in your, in all of your different joints and enough strength to be able to move yourself in and out of that healthy range of motion. And so, you know, being able to sit on your feet with your feet pointed backwards for most people, maybe not everybody, is anatomically attainable. There's, it's not like only like a small, you know, portion of people can do this. Um, so that's something that you could, that you could work on that you would may then notice changes how your feet feel when you're walking and standing and, and everything. So yeah, starting to understand like, you know, we're not all, most people will never get their foot next to their head when they're lying on their back and, and stretching their leg. But that, that shouldn't be a goal. You know, they, you don't need to, that's it's, I don't need to do that to, to, you know, enjoy my life. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. the pursuit of it sometimes can, can in itself, you know, cause injury. So, so really sort of looking at what are the normal amounts that all of my body parts are supposed to move and what are the sort of, you know, healthy enough amounts of strength that I need in my body to hold it, it, it well, hold it together. Well, you're reminding me too. Um, I was always fairly, fle pretty flexible, but it was when I started doing like hit classes and strength training that yoga really came alive for me because it was so, the strength part of yoga was so hard yeah. before. Yeah. And it's funny how people are kind of either or. Totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. a lot of us are drawn to yoga. I, I'm, I'm hypermobile. I'm naturally bendy. I, I started, you know, dance very young. And so when I first started doing yoga, I was like, oh, this is, this is right in my wheelhouse, you know? But yeah, I'd get in Warrior Two, and I'd be dying. Warrior Two, exactly. Dying because, like, I had never bothered to do any sort of exercise where you just sat and made your muscles work for a minute, you know. And so, um, it's it's you know, if if we're going to get more granular, it's also about different kinds of movement and different kinds of strength. You know, there's the strength of the dynamic movement of running around and kicking a ball. There's the strength of holding yourself in Warrior Two for one minute. You know, and they're different. They they ask different things of the body, and they're both useful. You know, so yeah. Again, I mean, I think a lot of the time it's sort of like 
if you discover something where you're like, oh, wow, I'm really bad at this, then that's a really good sign that you should pay attention to that and maybe work on that a little bit more. Push-ups. I feel so attacked. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Before we go on from feet, so if people want to avoid feet problems, is it a particular shoe they should wear or is it more about when you're not wearing the shoes, get barefoot? For, and, and massage and do these exercises? Yeah, I mean, there's so many different things that can happen with feet. So so it's hard to sort of make a, a general statement, but but I would say, here I am making a general statement. <laughs> yes, you know, pay. it's more, I think about like sort of pay attention and take your shoes off and look at your feet and what's going on. Okay, how do I, maybe I need to come in here and do some massage. Maybe I need to actually be strengthening my feet muscles. Maybe the, because there's all these little muscles inside your feet. And again, if you're wearing shoes all day long, they just kind of get short and weak and tired and they don't know what to do. So, um, you know, it may be a specific kind of work that you need to do, but I think the overarching idea is like, just stop ignoring your feet. Um, because yeah, yeah. it's funny. Like, yeah, my pinky I've noticed it's it, it, like, it's along for the ride up in the mm-hmm. side of my foot almost. So I've been really trying to like put it down on the ground, but it wasn't until I really looked at it in yoga that I was like, wow, that little guy is just, so yeah pay attention right yeah yeah and and um and again to this idea of like you know wanting to try to avoid something down the line you know when we see things we're like oh that 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 sometimes people's toes are like actually kind of rotated or something like that and so much of the we need our feet so much you're about to hear my dog walking into the room by the way (laughs) very slowly um so much of, of what we want to do to stay healthy and active and moving obviously requires our feet to be able to, to do it with us. And we, a lot of the time tend to sort of get excited about big things like, Oh, I got to strengthen my, my glutes and my core and whatever. And we forget about like, no, actually the more work you do on something like your feet, which is so foundational, um, the better it's going to serve you up the line. <laughs> Here she comes. This is such a cute dog. Who's just walked in by the way. so yeah i mean you know paying attention not ignoring the dog wants me to pay attention to her yes (laughs) um okay and i was wondering about hands it's probably kind of a similar thing and within this discussion of hands and wrists and things can arthritis be avoided like when people really get does that have anything to do with exercise and stretching out fingers and things or is that just genetic um, well, there's there's sort of there's different forms of arthritis, but if we're talking about the sort of like osteoarthritis, like my bones, when the fingers get really big, yeah, yeah. Um, well, sometimes the the arthritis in your hand is actually rheumatoid arthritis, which is a totally different thing. But yeah, it's it's sort of the same thing. Like you know, depending what you do, like my job requires me to use my hands a lot, um, and I go in really specifically, and I do all the same kind of things that I would do on my feet and my toes. I do on my hands, you know, to keep them happy. Um, you know, the question of whether or not arthritis is avoidable, it, it, so much of it depends on like, what have you been doing in your life up till now, you know? And so it's hard to say like definitively yes or no, really either way. Okay. Um, And I know rheumatoid arthritis is totally different. So yeah. Yeah. But you know, again, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're just trying to create the, the most beneficial kind of surroundings for our body or, or, or way to be in our body that we can <laughs> talk is just all over me. Um, so that, so that we are, so our bodies feel as good as possible, you know? And, and, and again, I think sometimes it can feel overwhelming because, you know, you go on Instagram or you go on Facebook and it's like, Oh, I need to be doing this kind of, Oh, there, here's this new kind of workout or like, Oh, I haven't been stretching this way. It's a new stretch that I'm supposed to do. And you know, it, sometimes I think people kind of get into that freeze of like, oh God, what am I, I thought yoga was good for me, but now people are telling me I can hurt myself doing yoga and what am I, and it, it's really about that kind of like tuning in and paying attention and, and listening to what your body specifically is telling you and not ignoring it, you know? And the other thing is like, you know, f- for those of us that are in the movement world, we have a lot of resources. Most people aren't, but there's so many people out there that could help you. You know, you can go to some physical therapy. You can try a new, like a basic yoga class and see what it feels like. So I'm sorry. No, I love it. It's, I love it. <laughs> you know, so, so, so really, you know, 
looking for the help of like I just recently. Okay, thank you, thank you. You know, I am starting to work with a nutritionist because I'm like I generally know how to eat well. Like I've read enough things, but I feel like there's something missing, and and I it's above my pay grade. So why don't I you know you know get the help of somebody whose specialty it is. You know, and the same with your body. You know, I think we we tend to sort of wait until, you know, the tire falls off and then we're like, I don't know why that happened, you know, (laughs) but the more you can get in sooner and sort of pay attention to things and, 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 you know, if needed, you know, enlist the help of somebody else, you know, the better you're going to be, the better off you're going to be. I love that so much. And it's also, I think all of us, I'm trying, I try to get people, I try to get myself to take that five minutes a day to just Mm -hmm. sit. Mm-hmm. Not even like a huge meditation ask, but, and I think that's time where you can sort of massage your hands a little bit, massage your feet and slow down and just check it because we get our lists of things to do. And it is, it's, it's overwhelming. Even like some, I, where I want to roll out on balls, but I already did my other workout and I got to go do the thing and right. like just to slow down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm also a fan of, um, you know, I think sometimes what can feel overwhelming is we get this idea of like, Oh, I need to block out this chunk of time in my day to do all these things. I don't have this chunk of time in my day. How am I supposed to do that? Right. And then it's like, well, then I can't do anything. And I'm a really big fan of figuring out ways to kind of, I I joke and I call it like trick myself, but, but kind of weave things into the day that you're already having. So it's not this idea of like, Oh God, it's another thing that I'm supposed to do. Um, Like for example, I use an electric toothbrush. I, you know, it's two minutes, right? That's the timer. And it does its little, you know, at every like 30 seconds, whenever you're supposed to change your quadrant or whatever. So when I'm doing that, I have a set of yoga balls in my bathroom and I do one of the toothbrush minutes. I'm on my right foot and the other toothbrush minute I'm on my left foot. I love it. It's really easy. You know what I mean? So like there's ways to kind of like work little things in so that you don't get overwhelmed by this idea of like, oh God, I have to dedicate, you know, they say I have to do an hour of exercise every day or whatever. And no, there's, there's lots of ways to, to kind of do stuff like that, you know, to take care of yourself. That is so brilliant. I do my Kegels when I lay down at night to go to bed as I'm sort of going over my day. Yeah. I do my Kegels. Yeah. That's just like a built-in yeah. routine. Well, <laughs> so there's, there's definitely ways to kind of work things into your life so that it doesn't feel like you know, some sort of overwhelming task that you're supposed to achieve somehow. I like that so much. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Um, Just a few more questions here. I noticed on your website, you talk about when you're teaching people something, most people perceive things in a certain way and you sort of shake that up. Is that a correct um, summary of that or? I don't know. I'm not sure. (laughs) It It was kind of like something about... When you're, or like when you're giving, if you're a yoga teacher and you're giving a correction to a student, people immediately take that a certain way and and you help shift that. Maybe I have it wrong. I don't know. I mean, you know, I do think sort of from a, from a teacher's perspective, it is important to be able to communicate well and and communicate lots of different ways so that, you know, you, you maybe are really good at giving like verbal instruction, but the person in front of you may not be able to take that and translate it into their body. And they may need to see you do a demonstration of it, for example, or they may need to feel your hands on their body to be like, this is what I'm talking about. Um, so there's that. And there's also, you know, I think sometimes we hear, you know, news about our body and we're like, Oh God, it's the end of the world, you know? And so also being able to communicate that, like, you know, things can need addressing or they can, they can, you know, maybe need a little bit of looking into, but that doesn't mean that like you're broken. It doesn't mean that anything's really, you know, permanent things are always changing. And so really, and that's part of how, you know, as a teacher, it matters so much in the way you communicate as well, um, because you don't want to be, you know, scaring your students uh, or, or, you know, telling people there's something wrong with them or, you know, all of that kind of stuff, you know, and just really, really understanding like the, the, the variety of normal, uh, body types and, uh, you know, shapes of your bones and the way that your, your proportions are set up is there's, there's so, there's so much variety and, and, and really being able to, as a teacher, talk to the person in front of you and, you know, not have this idea that I'm going to squish everybody into this same, 
you know, yoga pose or the same body type or the same, you know, even spinal position, you know, this idea of like, everyone needs to get to like neutral spine, like, well, maybe they can't, you know, and that's also fine. So that I think that's a lot to do with, as a teacher, really understanding and, and being okay with and having the sophistication to look at all different kinds of body types and, and talk to the person in front of you. And then also as a, as a student, understanding that nothing's wrong with you and, and being okay with, you know, working with the body that you're in, you know? I wish that someone as when I was younger had told me that like I could do splits on the right side. I could never like nothing. Mm-hmm. I could do that. I could probably still do that now if I worked on it. <laughs> the middle splits never and things things like where um I can touch my toes so easily, get my hand on the floor, but my chest is not they're not going it's not going to hit my thighs. Mm-hmm. And instead of thinking there was something wrong with me when I was younger, someone sort of saying, that's just how you're built. That's how your hips are built. Or, you know, don't even, that's not really where you need to put your energy. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of, I mean, you know, it it sort of goes back to this, this conversation around a lot of movement practices and yoga is definitely one of them. They can sometimes teach to like an aesthetic, like it's supposed to look like this and everybody's supposed to try to look like this look, you know, this one person took a bunch of pictures of themselves and we're all trying to like do the same. And what is really, what's really great in the, in the movement world at the moment and, and in yoga in particular is people are starting to move away from that idea. And they're starting to understand that it's way more sophisticated than that. And, and it's way more, um, you know, there's so much more nuance and, you know, what I, what I would like to say is like teach people not poses, you know? So maybe this person is doing it in a chair Maybe they're, maybe you're doing a whole standing series, but they're actually lying down. You know, they like that we, we can um, move away from this idea of this very sort of static sense of what this pose is supposed to look like. And instead, you know, work with, you know, the person in front of you. Yeah, you're right. I think the whole um, teaching has evolved so much because my teachers are saying exactly what you're saying, but I, they even admit they're like, I didn't know this 20 years ago. No, I've learned it now. It. Yeah. Nobody was saying it 20 years ago. It was like, you're going to do your forward fold until your face is on your knees. You know? <laughs> it just, it not well, and this was like, like I was just writing about this, you know, I, I can't <laughs> do any sort of splits in any direction to save my life. I never have been able to, and I never will. But I remember one time I was in a class and we're doing Hanumanasana. We're doing the splits and I'm there with my, blocks and my pelvis is like three feet off the ground. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm going nowhere. And the teacher just very casually out of the blue. The teacher says, well, if you just keep practicing this every day in three weeks, you'll be able to do it. And I just remember thinking like, have you seen my pelvis? Like, no, that's not, that's not a thing. But there was this idea. It was very prevalent of like, you know, practice and all is coming. And I think people took practice and all is coming and interpreted it as, practice and you will, you know, be able to nail all these yoga poses, you know, instead of looking at, well, what is the, what is actually the root goal of of the yoga practice? And it's not about, you know, twisting your body into a pretzel. It's about being embodied and being in contact, understanding that your body and your soul and your mind are not separate things, but they're connected and they interplay off of each other. Ultimately, whether you can do a down dog or not. God, I love that so much. It's, and it's such a good reminder. It was, it was like, if you do this every day, you will get there. Yeah, <laughs> you need to come over here and look at me because like, I promise you that's not true. <laughs> okay, um, and I also love. I think as students, we tend to sort of idolize our teachers, and I love hearing like, "Oh, their shoulder, they get some stiffness in that shoulder," or they're, "You're having a new thing." It's really helpful because yeah. that it is. It's a natural progression. There's nothing wrong with you. Uh-huh. You're not. It's not that you're doing it wrong and you're having an issue. Yeah. And everybody has it. Yeah. I mean, I remember again, in these sort of like more, you know, advanced sort of like athletic types of classes where, you know, the whole class would stop. And like the one person who was really good at this pose, would all stand around and watch them do it. And then we'd all clap and then we'd all go back and sort of try to varying degrees of success to do it ourselves. And that was kind of the, the mindset. And that was kind of the way it was set up as a practice. Like you're trying to get to this thing as opposed to like, well, where are you right now? And and why isn't this okay? You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. But I think that's huh. changed a lot. I remember being in a class and someone went from standing into a backbend 
and very gracefully back up again to standing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God. You're like, oh. <laughs> and now me? What? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, can I have some spotters, please? <laughs> I suddenly need to go to the bathroom for the next 15 minutes leave the room but yeah but that was kind of the message instead of being like well let's take another person right let's let's have three people and do this in three different ways and this is what it's gonna look like yeah I mean when I teach I teach anatomy and teacher trainings and one of my favorite things to do is like grab a bunch of people be like okay everybody do this pose and then we we sit and look and and it's it's not in the like I vein of like well this person's doing it right and this person is wrong but it's like this is correct for them this is correct for them this is correct for them look at this variety all of this variety is fine. There's nothing wrong with any of these. And you you need to start to, you know, my goal is like with new teachers to not have them go through that phase that we went through of like, oh God, we're trying to reach this thing. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, I, I've, I've injured myself as many, many yoga teachers have, I would say probably most in the, in the attempt to get to this, this, you know, for me, impossible goal of a yoga pose. And the only way I could get there is if I ripped my hamstring. So I did, you know, and I, I'm hoping I, I, that we're all starting to, you know, in our own practice and teaching, but also in like the newer teachers coming, coming up that they're not, uh, they're able to get out of that mindset because we're not going to teach them to get into it. You know, it's incredible. And it's such a, it will just bypass so much ego. I it just, I've started um, some, a lot of times when I'm doing yoga at home, I don't have anybody to impress. So for Chaturanga, I'm putting my knees down and I'm getting so much out of it. So I just, I love this idea that it's different for different people and they're all correct. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Okay. Two more questions. You have a great setup on social media and your website. I'm just wondering, is this a natural thing or do you outsource? (laughs) because <laughs> it's um, so oh thank you that it's all me it's all me I mean I I um you know it I've sort of had an interesting my my world before I became a yoga a yoga teacher even like I was a art history major in school I've, I've always been a like appreciated writing in the arts and and my family that I come from is, is naturally a very funny bunch of people, which when you're surrounded by funny people, it kind of ups the ante, like you have to be funny. Definitely. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I try to just, you know, I, I don't have any particular goal necessarily, but to express, you know, the kind of things that we're talking about, but also to do it with, you know, a, a, some lightness and some humor. Uh, Cause I think, you know, we could all fall into the trap of, of taking ourselves way too seriously. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's where that comes from. Um, and you know, I, I mean, I, I had been very fortunate to work with like some great, you know, designers, like for my, for my website and things like that, but content wise, yeah, that's all me. Yeah, it's great. I love it. It's so funny with humor. I, I always say that like when you play tennis with someone who's better than you, you play your best game and sense of humor wise, like the funnier mm-hmm. the person is I'm with the funnier, that's what I'm bringing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. So my last question is always, what are your three tips for aging thoughtfully, aging with intention and vibrancy, no matter our budget? Um, it's kind of like, it, it's actually sort of a summary of, of a lot of the things that we've, that we've touched on. Um, so my, my first one is, and, and it's mostly related to, you know, your physical body. Cause that's my, my wheelhouse. Uh, so, you know, when something when you injure yourself, not if, but when you will, it's okay. Like, so number one, don't panic, you know, yeah, it's okay. You know, things are, your body will change. It's supposed to, that's natural. You might overstep what your body is willing to do in a moment because you used to be able to, but you can't anymore, maybe, or we need to modify it and that's fine. You know, so, so the people that, you know, as we get older, I feel like I see sort of two categories. I see the people who the moment something hurts, they're like, oh, well, I just, I need to, I'm, because I'm, you know, quote unquote, getting older, I'm not supposed to push myself anymore. And so I'm going to stop doing everything. And they kind of like go to that extreme. So don't do that. That's my number one tip. My other tip is don't go to the other end and ignore what's happening in your body. And, you know, out of an idea of like, I can't be getting older. This isn't happening to me. You know, we, we all go through moments like that where we're like, what, how much gray hair do I have now? What, you know? 
And so again, for your body paying attention and, and, and rather than just trying to push through because you're like, yeah, I totally used to always play soccer on the weekend. No problem. And now like, Oh, I just ripped my Achilles tendon because I'm not 25, I'm 55 or, or whatever. So, you know, and then, and then the third part is, is like, you know, if, if we, there's, there's plenty of, you know, pain and tragedy and, and, you know, this year alone has taught us that, you know, but we have to, in the end, I, you know, have a sense of how ridiculous it is to be alive as a human and to approach being alive with that, a little bit of levity when we can, when it's appropriate, a little lightness and to not take ourselves so seriously. Um, because I think that's really the only way to get through, you know, I had a, I love that. I had a, a client who, very funny client of mine who he joked, he's uh, in his somewhere 60s. And, uh, he was like, he was like, you know, that John Mayer song, your body is a wonderland. And I was like, uh, huh. He was like, my body is what now? Like, <laughs> 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 What's happening? Yeah. You know? And yeah, that's, you know, the, to, to, to embrace the fact that we are, that our bodies are going to change and, and to, again, have that lightness around it and not, not think of it as like either this is the end of my life or I'm going to pretend this not, is not happening, you know, but to really just sort of embrace the change. Yeah. That's, that's how I think of it. Like, um, my whole mission is in some areas, yes, I want to defy age, aging in some ways I want to preserve, but in a lot of ways I want to embrace it. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, ultimately what's the expression? Nobody gets out alive. Right. So we're all heading towards something. You know, I I think a lot of it is just the, it's the grace of, of being able to accept where you are. I mean, you know, I have a, I have a hip replacement. I started having pain in my hip when I was 27. And so it, it was sort of like a, a really early wake up call for me of like, oh, wow. So like things can change really quickly. Something that, that I think of as like a 70 year old person's problem is now this 20 year old person's problem. And, you know, I had to go through a, a lot psychologically to sort of come to a place where I was like, okay with it, you know, and, and uh, it, so it, I think it helps to, to get to practice that, to get to practice that kind of like this is what's happening. I am, I'm going to do everything I can to your point, you know, to take care of myself. But at some point I also have to accept that things are changing and that's okay. Yeah. I love that. That's a pretty big thing to have to go through at 27. (laughs) Yeah. It's been, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And I, I, I can relate to that with sort of just my body changing and whether it's weight or distribution, like some clothes just aren't going to fit anymore and I'm not going to starve myself and just a real acceptance of like, okay, this is cool. Yeah. My back is wider for whatever reason. Right. Had a kid. I don't know. Totally. But that's cool. Totally. New shirt. <laughs> right. And, and not, not this idea of like, I'm supposed to, you know, fit myself into this particular piece of clothing, but I can find clothing that fits on, on my body. You know, it's the same, it's like the, the awesome, same thing. And I think there is, you know, obviously there's still so much pressure on women to look a particular way and to, you know, never wrinkle and, and all those sorts of things. But I do think there is generally starting to be a sense of how much variety there is in the way people can look and that they're all fine. You know, that we're not all trying to, to achieve this one singular goal. I will say it's the one good thing about social media. I'm seeing bellies. I'm seeing wrinkles. I'm Mm -hmm. seeing things that I literally just have never seen before. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, right. We're posting pictures. Like they're like, here's my cellulite. I'm like, great, please do that because this is a natural structure in your body and it shouldn't be something that we're trying to like cut off or starve or, or surgically remove or anything like that, you know? So yeah, that's one of the, one of the good things about it is that we are getting to show each other as humans, look at this wide variety of humanity that we are. And isn't it cool? Yeah. And it's very, your brain is like, oh, I'm okay. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like that thing I have too is okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. And where can we find you? Uh, so online, you can find me on Instagram is usually where I am, which is uh, Sarah Court DPT. Um, and then same for my website, it's sarahcourtdpt.com. Okay, great. And I'll put it in the show notes. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, bye-bye.
Hey, thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Age Thoughtfully. That was cool. I feel like we covered a lot. I feel like we sort of went wide on philosophies of pain and how we think about our bodies, aging and what we can do with our bodies to some really cool micro practical things about how to take care of our feet, hands, all of our bodies. So um, thanks, thanks, thanks for listening. I would love to hear what you think of the show. My email is mkennerson at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, here's a new thing. If you have any show ideas, things you want to learn about, drop me a line. I would love to hear from you. Again, mkennerson at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave me a little gift, a positive review on Apple Podcasts helps me spread this message, helps me bring new listeners to the pod. Thanks again. I hope you have a wonderful week and I'll see you next time.